both of my grandfathers were notable, and uh, one of them invented the modern fish stick. Um, he discovered um, the process by which you freeze fish in squares. Were there wacky fish stick experiments, like like fish popsicles covered in chocolate, that sort of thing? I don't know of any such experiments. I do know that this this spawned in him a great love for food, like uh, machinery and food technologies. bi-weekly podcast in which we decide upon a theme, recommend records that fit that theme, and then meet back up to share our thoughts. I'm Joey Albin. I'm Darvel Hurlbutt. And I'm James Doyle. All right. Ready to get to the album? Yep. Cool. So the album is OK Go by OK Go. This is their first full album was released september 17th 2002 which is the day before my birthday so that's cool uh but i did not hear this album i actually couldn't figure out when it was i think it was a year or two after it came out um i had a cousin that was living with us and he said hey you should listen to this and i loved it going with our theme of albums we've been listening to for the longest period of time um, there were a lot of albums that my cousin showed me that I still love. And so I kind of had a few to choose from, but this is the one that I've still like most regularly listened to. So that's the album. what do you guys think? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's fun. I, I probably first heard this album around the same time. I was, I was actually trying to remember cause I'm, I was very, very familiar with the song, get over it. And I was trying to remember like, where did I first hear it? I think it was on like, it wasn't a warp tour compilation, but one of those kind of CDs that used to exist, you know, the like 20 songs by 20 different bands. Um, and I don't remember what comp it would have been, but I, I heard it on that. And I was like, this is really fun. Like, it's just like giant crunchy guitars and like good pop hooks and organ. Like this is good. And then, so I don't, I actually, though, don't know if I ever listened to this album until maybe like once ever and then getting ready for this podcast. Like I was familiar with these first two songs, like the first, you know, the singles from this album. And yeah, it's a great album. I have more to say about it, but we'll wait till we get I'll wait till we get into it. Yeah, this was a surprise for me. I thought, oh, no, was their first album. I had no idea that they existed before like 2005. So I had never heard any of these songs. Um, so it was kind of weird. It was like, it was like a secret album, but <laughs> it's just me being unaware of their full discography. Um, so it was interesting knowing their later work and knowing where they ended up and then hearing this and being like, Oh, this is like not what I was expecting, but yeah, really enjoyed it overall. Lots of really cool moments on the record. Only one song that I absolutely hate, but we'll talk about that when we get there. So, yeah. Cool. Well, let's get into it. 
track one, Get Over It, their big single. And this, I was, I was trying to remember, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was even a moment of like, we were like in the bedroom playing video games and my cousin was like, Hey, grab that CD, put it in and press play. And like, I feel like I had heard the song before, like probably on the radio or something, but like, I remember hearing at that point, just being like, Oh shoot. Like, like you're <laughs> saying, Joey, just the sound of that guitar, like the crunch. I love it so much. Yeah. And then the, like. The intensity in his singing when he comes in, it's just such a great song. I do think the first while I would really just listen to that one song. I think I like put on a mix CD or something. That was it. And it wasn't until later I came back to the full album. But yeah. What do you guys have to say about Get Over It? So this track, I, when I first put this on, I was like, oh, OK Go was a way different band than they were on their later <laughs> albums. Because like it sounds like this song is going to be super, super heavy based on that intro, like that guitar tone and everything. And then when everything comes in and it's like that boom, it's like, oh, this went a way different direction. <laughs> but but it works. It's a great song. I love I'll talk about it now, but this kind of is a blanket statement for the album. I love all the keyboard work and all the synth work that OK Go does. They do a ton of really awesome stuff with synthesizers and it's it's very much in the neophyte stage on this record compared to some of their later stuff, but they do still have a lot of really cool uses of organ and um, some innovative use of pads. And then also doing some stuff with like, uh, I, I think they sample instruments and then manipulate them using synths. So it's, it's a really cool thing. And I, when I was doing research on their actual synth setup, I saw that they had a uh, Korg Volca, that was actually an OK Go edition that was released that was full of like sounds that they had used on their records. And it, the the Volca, I actually have it here, uh, the Volca sample, this was the sampler that they had released in their edition. And that's fun because this is the sampler that I used when we played to get live. So I was like, that's kind of a cool little nice full circle thing. And then my, my last thing on this track is, yeah, again, the guitar tone is just so good. Yeah, it's uh it really is like it reminds me a lot of like skid row or like like hair metal but like the the more heavy hair metal like warrant or skid row it's it's a and like it's just like eight tracks of guitar I think you know just stacked on top of each other so good. You know, I'm curious what y'all think about this. So there was a genre of music or a subgenre, I don't know, popular from like 2001 or two to like 2006, maybe a little earlier than that. And I think now it often gets lumped in with pop punk or emo. So I would include like this album, uh, American Hi-Fi, that, that song Flavor of the Week. I would include some Lit, um, SR71. It's like kind of power pop, but not power pop in the lineage of like big, big star. And like, it's more alt rock influence. It's not punk though. And mm -hmm. it's not emo. And I realize like, I love that kind of music, like super hook driven. It's all, but it's also not like the strokes 
or it, it's not a big indie thing either. It's like, I don't know what you'd call that genre other than, you know, a vague, you know, like alt rock or whatever. But so I, I love that. I loved it when it was popular. I, I love it now. And I think this, this song album and this song and the next one are like some of like the cream of the crop for that kind of music, like the big guitars, the kind of ironic sneering type vocals, uh, organ, like, yeah, it's just, it's a great song. I also feel like the vocals in this song, in the verse anyways, not the chorus, but in the verse, uh, have a tiny bit of a new metal influence. Like I was imagining Fred Durst singing the verses to this song, like the, the rhyme cadence and everything feels a little bit that kind of like sneering new metal rap a little bit, which I don't think happens anywhere else on the album. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting with this song though. Great lyrics too. I love the, the, uh, body like a battle axe is just like yeah. a great little phrase. <laughs> yeah. I was going to mention that and just the taking like a cliche, you know, and like putting that little twist on it to make it fresh. So good body, like a battle axe. And then I love the had it up to the gills. Yeah. It's another good one. <laughs> I think this album as good as an album as it is, it does have a tiny bit of the, uh, I'm just going to call it this. I'm making this up the James effect which is when the first song, or in this case, the first two songs are like <laughs> so stacked that it kind of tape goes down a little bit. This one, not the best example, because there's some really solid songs throughout the whole thing, but like mainly because this song and the next one are both like so good. I, I think that's legitimate though, because, you know, Darvel's mentioned before about like, he said, I, I don't think I listened to music long enough to understand if I liked it or not. He, uh, and, and I felt that way with this record. I listened to this record all the way through four times, I think, before like it actually started to like hook me a little bit. And most of those listens were I listened to the first two tracks and then kind of stopped paying as much attention as time went on. And it wasn't until I like forced myself to sit down and be like, okay, you're going to listen to this that I, I developed an appreciation. So. I do think there's something to be said about that, about like a quality of a song being so good that it demands your attention <laughs> versus something that you have to pay attention to. Yeah, I think that's well said. And that's, you know, going back when I first was introduced to the album, like I immediately loved these first two songs, specifically the first one. But then it wasn't until later that I had it like, you know, just playing in the bedroom all the time, playing in the car all the time that like I would say the other songs are just as good, but. I think that's the big difference, like you said, James, that it's not grabbing your attention as much as the first two are. So track two, Don't Ask Me. So again, another thing that I can talk about a lot on this record, but just want to put it in here. Um, and this is something OK Go does a lot is the use of accessory percussion this is like the first like big debut of it they have the tambourine and the cowbell in the opening and um i mentioned before my brother's a huge fan of this band especially their live performance and one of the things that he really likes is they don't i i don't know recently but up until a pretty recent tour they didn't do a lot of like backing tracks or anything everything they did was live 
and he mentioned specifically like on one song they had the like the latin percussion one-handed triangle if you've never seen it before it's like a triangle that you can shake back and forth and it has a beater in the middle oh yeah that Mm. hits and he said that it's like they have like a table full of just stuff that they use in different songs and they were like playing the song and the singer was like playing a guitar or keyboard or something and singing and he's like stopped for a second picked up the the triangle and was like and then put it (laughs) back down and uh, I think those like attention to details really kind of helps escalate them as an act. The other thing I really liked on this song that also comes back a lot in the albums is the the backup harmonies. It started about like 31 seconds into the track here. There's some really cool um, entrances of harmonies throughout the record. They're very good about like starting a note, having another note come in early. It's almost like a Beatles-esque kind of effect. <laughs> Yeah, like a layer, like Joey just did in yeah. Zoom that you can't see, listener. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love, as the song goes on, the bass moves more and more in the chorus. Like, by the end of the song, you got this, like, really steady, driving, walking bass throughout the chorus that I, I just think is super, super catchy. Also, I really like the, the song before it and this song both have this kind of, like, kind of rude, but not like, angry attitude that's i think kind of fun it's it's not like punk rock mean angry or like metal i mean it's kind of just this like i don't know like just kind of bratty attitude that i think is like a very fun place to write lyrics from and listen to lyrics from i I think i think it's like a yeah i think i i I enjoy that we were uh driving a few weeks ago and this song came on and uh, uh, normally, you know, depending on the music or whatever, there's some songs we won't listen to with our kids, but honestly, a lot of it we do and we just, you know, hit the <laughs> volume and stuff for the words and stuff. But our, we had two of our kids just like going at each other. Who knows what they were fighting about? And I remember just being like, hey, this song has an F word in it. He's going to say the F word soon and just silence. <laughs> They're like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a uh, cuss words are so funny to me, but they like are like oh we we want to hear it, but want to miss this. Like our parents won't let us. Like is he saying he's gonna let it play and we're gonna hear it? Like <laughs> oh my gosh! And it, the fight was never brought up again. And you know we let them we let them hear the full force of the f word in this song. And they're like I heard it, I heard it. Oh, like, <laughs> anyway, that was fun. <laughs> That's really good. This song has a cool, the the first thing that happens, it happens in a few other songs, but this song does it where they do some funny metric stuff at the end where they like add in these little abbreviated measures, almost like these little like stutter measures a little bit, I think is is kind of fun for for like a radio pop song. It's pretty uh, unusual. This is, I love this song. But I think I'm at the point with it now. I don't think that just overplayed for me. It's it's fallen pretty low on my list. I think it's just a little too like what do they call it? Like the happy days, like karaoke machine. Not karaoke machine. The in the diners, the jukebox. Like I don't know. Just the the feel of it is a little too. I don't know. 
I've never seen Happy Days, but I'm picturing like a <laughs> shot of Happy Days. I know, like just I in mean, that like old time diner with the jukebox, like as like a kitschy, campy. Song. I think like intentionally with all yeah. the voices and stuff. But no, I, I I hear that. I was gonna say they do that a little bit in various places on the record, but it doesn't bother me on this song as much as it really bothers me at another place in the record. So. I'm excited to get to that. The other thing, like listening to this, I don't know if I ever noticed like how much like extra vocals are everywhere and especially, oh shoot, I forgot the word vocal, vocalables or whatever we vocals. were talking about last time. Yeah. I was like, oh, these are all over the place in here, which, you know, where they're placed in the background, I'm more okay with rather than being like the full chorus of the song. But and it may be because of how much this like influenced me musically growing up and stuff. There are times where, you know, Joey, I'm like, hey, throw some harmonies on this song. And then like what you come up with, like, I feel like you just do like two or three words. Like when you do harmonies, I feel like it's very minimal, just a little bit. And I think it's great, but I'm always like, oh, man, I thought you'd be like singing <laughs> the whole song with me. Like, you know, like well, and this. It's much, funny because like. In a studio situation, I'm like the total opposite. Like, I'm like, I want to go like full queen and have like <laughs> 10 audio tracks and 10 guitar tracks, like just like start stacking them up, you know? Uh, I think maybe I have less confidence in my ability to do these things live. So, <laughs> got it. I'm, and I do, I did get a taste of that with that track we never released, the, uh, the Valentine's one we were working on because you did send, I think you had like six vocal tracks on that one you sent over. <laughs> so I was like, okay, here we go. But. And I'm like, I, I, as much as my computer has RAM, <laughs> um, which isn't much. No, uh, you know, I will, I may as well freely admit this early in this album that like my metric for when, what I enjoy about this album is basically as it relates to Fountain of uh, Fountains of Wayne, mm -hmm. which, as I've said multiple times, is one of my favorite bands. So, with this album, I like this album best in two modes. One, when they're doing something very different than what Fountains of Wayne would do. So, like, "Get Over" it is not a song Fountains of Wayne would make with like giant hair metal guitars and all that. So, like that. I also like it when it's doing something that Fountains of Wayne very much would do and doing it very well, as well as Fountains of Wayne. And then when I don't like this album is when I think kind of the opposite of those two things, which is this is something Fountains of Wayne wouldn't do because it's not very good. Or this is something Fountains of Wayne would do and they're doing it a lot worse than Fountains of Wayne would do it. <laughs> So like that, that's kind of like my lodestar for, for this album in my brain, just owning up to that now. All right. Track three, you're so damn hot. This is my least favorite track on the album. That's surprising so, to there me. There you go. Yeah, because there are worse songs on the album. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, wow. I had a, this wow. would have been uh, 
Now I'm curious. I, I and not I like this song. I don't like love this song, but I think it's pretty good still. But yeah, you just think there are songs that are worse. Is, oh is yeah, the shock I, there. There are two songs that I think. Well, I actually there are songs I like that I think are still worse than this song, and that's not <laughs> getting into like the the two songs I don't really like. Um, no, I, I like this song. Why don't you like this song? I, I was trying to figure that out, and actually, when listening to this album, like I know it so well, I felt like I didn't. I was kind of like not doing anything when listening to it. And so I went at one point and was like, let me take my least favorite ones and spend some time with them. And uh, the other two I'll talk about later, like I loved them more and more every time I like paid attention to them. I was like, oh, I really like these songs now. They're back up with the rest of them. But this one just stayed there for me. I think the verse, like there's really nothing. It's just kind of a blah verse to me. When the chorus starts, like the first two lines, I'm like, okay, cool. But I think just the, I think it's just because the, you're so damn hot. You're so damn hot. It's just very like, I don't know. I, I don't enjoy it. I think it kills what it had going for it in the chorus for me, for my taste. And then it never goes anywhere beyond that. So I, I'm I'm going to throw something out there and you can see if you guys agree with this. This to me sounds like when you see an above average local band where it's where it's like you know song structure is good everything's on point but you're like you're not ready for the bigs yet kids like <laughs> that it, it's kind of what it feels like to me it's like this is fine it when i when i have it on in the background you know and i'm driving i'm not offended by it it you know keeps lively spirits in the car but i'm not going to ever put this record on to listen to this song yeah i mean it, it's like a song i'd be happy to write a song this good <laughs> but also yeah. i i do not have the same expectations that i'm one might have for okay go especially on the back of the two songs we just heard that are both just very good songs i i i think this is a little bit of a drop-off even though i like this song and i'll, I'll say that too that i this is my least favorite song on the album but I love the rest of the album. So it's like, you know, the rest of the album for me is like four or five stars. This is my like three star where, it, like you said, I'll let it play when it's playing. I, I won't be like, oh, I need to skip this one. But I've never been like, oh, I want to go listen to that one song. So. All right. Track four. What to do. What to do. Sweetheart, you're fine. What do you guys think about this one? Well, I'm I'm waiting. We just I don't remember if it was I think that's two episodes ago. James described really hating playing the song that this song is for the first 20 seconds. <laughs> The Chicago song, 25 or 6-4, which is also Brain Stew by Green Day. Yeah. And so I'm curious, but then the song gets a lot better. 
so so let me talk about the pros of this song. First of all, I love some of the lyrics in this. Just some really cool. Come in, sweetie pie, have an apple, have some lie. I think is a really fun, creative line. I also really enjoyed the you could have been a genius if you had an axe to grind. <laughs> really, really like that line. This is another example of the vocal harmonies with the layering that's really effective on the what to do section. Something I didn't notice until probably like my like 10th listen of this record is that the 27 second mark, there's this really subtle palm muted guitar single note that plays. Hmm. And it's a really neat texture. It just gives a slight thickness above what had happened previously. And those kind of like, uh, I think Joey's used the word maximalism, kind of like these like constant like layering of things and just building and building and building. I love all that stuff. Oh. Do you hear it now? Yeah, it's like beat to pink and pink and pink and pink. Yeah, it's real subtle. The 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 brain stew twenty five or sixty four thing, like Joey said, I I heard it, but I was able to get past it because of where the song goes. And I'll again the lyrics are just great. Mediocre people do exceptional things all the time. It's just a funny line. I really enjoyed the song overall. They do. I think it's going into like the layering stuff. And also like we've talked about their awesome guitar sound in the first song, but they have so many good sounds throughout the album that are also like, I mean, this one is similar with that crunchiness, but it's not quite the same as the first track. And I think like the, diversity in their sounds even though they're they're like very similar but we get like a full range of colors in them and even in this track like you get these like guitars coming in playing like counter melody lines and then yeah like around one minute 20 seconds and then later you get like a different guitar tone doing a different melody line they just it feels like they're having a lot of fun like oh, this time when we come to doing the same thing we've done before, we're going to add this different layer here. And a lot of times it's really simple stuff, but it's just well placed and well, uh, like the tone and stuff is really good. Well, and and this might be something that uh, Joey pushes back on. (laughs) I'm curious to get his take on this because Joey, I mean, you're, you are very firmly in the digital amp processing revolution like that is like very much in your wheelhouse but okay go is a band that has very like explicitly said in interviews like when we create our sounds we want real instruments we want analog everything like you know so they haul all these you know junos and and dx7s and all these crazy and moogs out on stage because they they use all these different things I'm assuming the amps are similar. Do you think that there's something there because they have more to fiddle with in real life? They find these better textures. I don't know. I mean, I'll allow that if someone likes and prefers something that's going to make them more productive, no matter what it is like, if it was opposite and they're like, I hate all this stupid boomer junk. I want digital apps for everything. That's what I love. That's going to be, you know, so from like a practical standpoint, I think it's like, if they say that's true, it becomes true in their workflows. You know, 
now my take on it as someone not in it is like what they are saying is true to them it is also objectively not true <laughs> like <laughs> now 20 years ago it was much more true in that like a lot of digital stuff sucked and what especially in the guitar space i don't i don't know as much about synthesizer stuff but like a lot of digital guitar stuff wasn't good even digital effects were not as good as they are now let alone amps and stuff like and for me the main reason i like all that stuff is like a practical one of money and space in that like even if i were to admit that like okay yeah this dumble amp sounds better than like the very best dumble model the dumble amp is thirty thousand dollars and weighs 50 pounds and takes up a lot of space whereas this other one lives inside my computer and so that i mean that is the main thing that drives me but I, i'll i'll go ahead and just say it because i know okay goes not listening to this podcast but like <laughs> i think in terms of sound at this point, you could do blind testing and people would not be able to tell you which one sounds better. Uh, it, especially, it's especially funny live when it's like, okay, you bring your Moogs and your Junos and your Fenders or whatever, and then it goes through like a big giant digital computer board <laughs> and like yeah. farts out of whatever subs the venue has and like tweets, you know, like, so like, who cares at that? Like, you know, it's all going to sound like whatever the sound guy wants it to sound like anyways. Um, yeah, that's my take on it. No, I think I think that's a good nuanced opinion. Like, I like the way that you framed it because I, I feel that way, too. I fully acknowledge that I don't need to buy hardware synths. But I also know that I just don't touch plugins. <laughs> they, they just yeah, sure. accumulate on my desktop. Yeah, And it's like, I'll get to it eventually. But if I have a physical thing in front of me, I'll mess with it more. So I, yeah, I like that. It's true for them. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, in, in regards to this song, I don't really care much about the intro and then the verses. I think the chorus is just beautiful. Like with it's, you know, with the kind of pet sounds type harmonies and, and chord progressions. I think it, it's one of maybe one of the stronger choruses on the album. Um, even though I think the, the, the intro doesn't get you into the song and then the verse doesn't lead you into the chorus all that much. Uh, it's like, I almost wonder like, how is this song written? Did, did they write them in little chunks and then kind of put them together? I, I don't know. Going back to the, uh, brain stew comment. I had never put together that it's, you know, very, very similar um, until it was like two years ago. I had my old iTunes up, just listening to my old music and stuff and just every song on shuffle. And it played those these this song in Brains too, like back to back. Uh, and I was like, well, wait a second, like flipping between the two. It's like, Brittany, come here. Like, look at what <laughs> iTunes just did. I'm like, man, what are the chances? I was like, wow. But it's it is very obvious. So but that was just funny that paired together and shuffling. On to track five. One thousand miles per hour. We'll 
I'm like trying to guess which songs are the ones that <laughs> James hates and you guys are think are worse than You're So Damn Hot. And I'm like, maybe this one. But anyway, is, is this one of them? No, I, I like this song. Yeah, I like this Man, song as well. I think it's a really sweet song. I'm Okay, cool. I love it too. I'm very curious to <laughs> get to those tracks then. I, I don't have a lot to say about this one. There are a couple things that I thought were interesting. Uh, they used a different snare drum on this one, and it's really distracting. Hmm. For for drummers. <laughs> I, I was actually I was actually waiting for Joey to say something because he's the one that notices like like reverb gates and stuff. I I guess now that you mention it, I do very clearly hear that like oh yeah, this is like a a big open type snare versus like your classic rock snare. Yeah. And they had like a pretty good, like kind of like garage rock kind of snare drum sound on the other tracks. And even on uh, the ones where they had a bit of a fuller sound, it still had some like snare response and some like body to it. We can edit this all out. No one cares about this besides <laughs> no, me. No, I'm loving it. But uh, I, I love imagining the three of us listening to this song, like you're listening to this album. We've never heard it before. And like the snare hits the first time and James like pauses it and like looks at us like, <laughs> right, guys. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you guys want to talk about this, right? <laughs> We're like, what's that, James? <laughs> but I mean, now that you mention it, it's like very obvious. Like, oh, yeah, that's a very I do not recognize that snare from any other. And you'll probably ruin the song for a while for me too, is now all I'll hear is that snare. But it does kind of bring up something interesting that like I don't think a lot of people ever really talk about or like acknowledge that like we wouldn't say like, hey, did you notice uh the guitar sounds different on this album? It's like, well, of course it does. Like the guitars are all in any rock band the guitars always sound a little different depending on what this, you know, whether it's going from clean to distorted or, Oh, it added a rotary sound or whatever. But like we expect drum, a drum set to be like almost like a constant through an album that like, well, why, why would you use a different drum set? Just use your drum set. <laughs> like, yeah. like I think a lot, but like when you really do think like, well, why, why shouldn't the snare change depending on the song? But it is kind of weird in an instance like this where it's like, yeah, but he used the same snare on like 10 songs, you know? <laughs> well, and what I was going to say is I think the only reason I cued into it was because the song opens with a drum machine. So I was like, I was like hyper-focused on the the drum sound because the drum machine was new and I hadn't heard that yet. And then when that snare drum came in, I was like, whoa, that's a, that's a weird choice. And, and, and I get you know, the very famous examples throughout history of like changing snares on certain songs to get different effects, bell brass snares versus steel versus maple or whatever. And, um, you know, a pretty hip thing right now is for what are affectionately called snoms, which are, uh, essentially really deep snare drums that you replace your floor Tom with. So if you want like an old, like eighties throwback snare, you can just turn the snares on and you have that big, mm, Hmm. kind of yeah so like i get it for that effect but it's not different enough to warrant the amount of attention i think they drew to it on this track that's all you know i i realized i think this track 
funny for our podcast, like it almost reminds me of a bare naked lady song a little bit, like the kind of I, acoustic listening driven, to it. I was like, just thinking that. Yeah, like it's kind of a funny thing given the sequence of episodes we've done, but I could easily hear bare naked ladies doing this song. Especially when the organ comes in. Yeah. That's where I was like, oh man, that took me back to the last album feels. <laughs> I love the line will drive 1000 miles an hour. Like it is <laughs> just, it's got a little bit of that. Like, you know, the first time you hear it, it's like, oh, we'll drive 1000 miles. Like, okay, cool. But it's 1000 miles an hour. And the fact that it's just like, I don't know, being like specific about a speed, but like so ridiculous with the number. I don't know. It's, I love it. I almost, I wonder if it's a tiny bit of a nod to, uh, the, I will walk 500 miles that song. Oh, uh, I'm going to be is the name of the song. I want, I don't know if that's intentional or I don't know. I would walk a thousand miles to, to be, you know, I don't know. Two other small details on this one. I could not help but notice that they say 1000 miles an hour. But the title of the song is Per Hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and once once I noticed that, it did bother me quite a bit. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, I really like, and they do it a few times on this record, they find these kind of like uh, Beatles slash Oasis harmonies in the vocals. And I, I don't know enough about the Beatles to tell you what, how they how they sing those or what those are or, or Oasis and how they rip them off from the Beatles. <laughs> um, if there was a person to listen to our podcast and start a fight, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just, I think it's a really cool effect that we don't hear very often in modern music. Yeah. I mean, it's this whole album just, even the songs I don't like very much are just like totally stacked with really good vocal vocal work, including like all the really clever harmonies. Cause it's, it is more innovative than just like, okay, here's what the vocalist is doing now do that. But you know, a given interval above or below, like it, it has movement and like they do some cool, like suspension resolution stuff. It's, it's really good. The other cool thing about this song is it is a great song for road trips and it's like it's just like a good on the highway driving song and it's about <laughs> driving 1000 miles an hour so it's it's nice when songs can do that ready for track six shortly before the end So I'm just I, everyone now I'm going to be with like, is this, is this one? I like, I, I think this song's great. It kind of reminds me of Pink Floyd. Even the title reminds me of the title of a, a Pink Floyd song. <laughs> That's interesting. It reminds me, uh, I can't remember the name of the Pink Floyd song now. Is it Breathe? Is that the song I'm thinking of? Let me, oh, I have to listen to this track again now to see if I can. I have not. I don't think I've ever like turned on Pink Floyd. I think I've only ever heard it on like classic radio. 
classic rock. I mean, I I hear it now. Yeah. Anyways, kind of just generalized Pink Pink Floyd. Like I said, even the title could be a Pink Floyd song. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I hear the the vocal affectation, especially that kind of like lazy. Yeah. Like falling into the notes. Yeah. It's I, yeah. I think it's really pretty. It's a nice song. So one thing here is I thought the they the washy unfocused guitar kind of works against them on this song a little bit. It gets a little muddy and a little uh, like like especially to the end like when it starts building up. Yeah, it it is kind of an interesting guitar tone for this album. It kind of reminds me of like uh a lot like what a post rock band would do like uh um like Mogwai or whatever that West Texas post rock band from Friday night lights. Um, yeah. Like the kind of wash the, the notes don't really start or stop. They're just kind of there. Yeah. And, and I, I really enjoy that texture as a general rule, that kind of like characteristic of sound. I, I just think here, and they do it later on the record too, to great effect in my opinion. But on, on this song, it's just a little bit, too much i do think the the way it pairs with the clean vocals the sing us a song is nice um i just would have preferred a little bit more definition i'm just like my nostalgia brain's going nuts right now <laughs> this i'm pretty sure i like would put i had a phase where this song was just the greatest song in the world to me and would just put it on repeat one and let it play for hours and which apparently is an adhd thing Brittany was telling me Anyway, I have a good number of songs that I've listened to hours in a row. But this one was one while playing the video game Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> and so just going and listening to that guitar and paying it attention, it like was just like this wave of like <laughs> oh, playing that video game. Anyway, what they do with his voice at the end of, you know, the phrases, right? So like, uh, I think this all would last just where this... Like he holds the note super long and then he starts the next line while it's still being held. Right. But it's like, it's got like the harmonies on top of it and it almost like morphs into a part of the music rather than being part of the vocals. Now, as we move on to the vocals of the next line, I think it's super cool. I don't super unique as far as the music I listen to. Um, yeah, I really like that. I would be curious to know how they did that given the year this record came out if that was like a tape manipulation kind of thing given that they've already kind of stolen some stuff from the beatles earlier on the record i wonder if that was kind of a you know an, uh, abbey road kind of or sergeant peppers i was reading some of the credits on this album and like for a debut album they must have had some serious cash behind it because they had like they were at like very nice studio with like the look at the credits of the pe the engineers. They're all really top people. And then Tom Mordalgy mixed it. Uh, it's so like it was going to be a good sounding album. <laughs> My other favorite thing with this song is uh, it's just like the fireworks feel of it, especially there's one point like where they stop the music and there's like a hit. And I just every time in my head is like, the firework goes up. <laughs> and then, ba -dum, ba -push. It's anyway, 
I've always wanted to do some put this song with the fireworks something because it works so well together. Well, if this isn't the song you don't like, it can't be track seven because Return is one of my favorite tracks on this album. Oh, I, I love this song. This is like maybe my th- third favorite after the first two. I think this would fall more in that category of a track that's going to grab your attention. Like the first two you were talking about, James. I think this one's up there with it. It was definitely when I first got into this album, aside from those first two, the next one that was like, oh, shoot, this song's good. There are two songs that this song reminded me of. And then I went and listened to both of those songs and neither of them sound like this song but they just kind (laughs) of give me that like vibe um snow patrols run is is kind of similar to this and came out a couple years later but has a very similar structure and a similar kind of like slow build and i was like huh i i i knew that tune though and like i said i thought okay go started after them so uh it's kind of interesting to see that like Okay, go might have been the influence on Snow Patrol. The other thing, uh, and this is a bit more of a weird one, the guitar tone on this record reminds me of Our Lady Peace, particularly their record Happiness is Not a Fish That You Can Catch. Um, these kind of like woo woo, kind of like bendy, hollow, echoey sounds. And like I said, I went back and pulled up that record and went through a few of the the hits off of that album and was like, it's kind of there. It's not it's not exactly, but I thought that was an interesting thing. I, I like this song. So what this song reminded me of This is where I like I wish I could just like zap things into people's brain because I don't know if I'll be able to explain it very well. So when <laughs> I went to college at Belmont, which is like the, the, actually, the, the first year I went was the first year it was an unofficially Christian school. Before that, it was officially affiliated, but still very Christian culture, uh, like, but like cool Christian, you know, culture. And I realized that, like, I mean, I think all of us are pretty familiar with various forms of Christian music, that like Christian music across genres has a sound a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting into like weird woo woo stuff here, but like, I feel like I'm pretty good. Like if I'm just like flipping through the radio stations, if I'm not even, I can't even see what station we're on. I can hear something and know like, this is a Christian song. Like, even if it's like metal or even, so, you know, some other thing, like there's like a, a mark of like something. And what's funny is there are non-Christian bands that sound like Christian bands. And it's it's really cracks me up because snow patrol is one that I always have in my head that like this, whatever sonic signature that makes me think this is Christian music, like snow patrol has it, even though they're not to my knowledge, a Christian. And then like other bands, like for example, Switchfoot, which is like their Christian band, but they saw mainstream success. They still have a little bit of that sound. This song return has a tiny bit of that 
I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if it's like a certain kind of chorus or cadence or repeated words. I, I don't know, but it, it has a little bit of that sound. I, I'm, and I say that I really like this song a lot. I think it's really good. So I never thought that listening to it, but I absolutely 110% hear it now. Now that you've like pointed it out. Well, I mean, it, it's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, a few weeks ago, we went to see Father John Misty in Tulsa, and mm -hmm. he was actually the opening act. So it was really great because after he was finished, we just went home and it was like nine o'clock. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the band he was opening for was I had never heard of them or heard them before uh, the head and the heart, which oh, yeah. I hated it. Like I was like, oh, I'll see what this band is like. <laughs> and I, we listened to like two songs and we're like, we got to get out of here. But like they i felt like i was in church actually like it was like a very praise and worship kind of music but not you know like completely secular um but yeah this song if we if we can go back <laughs> to this song if that <laughs> sorry um i i've always felt like this track and the one before like were paired up really well nicely and I don't know why. I, it might have been that I just loved these two songs, and so I'd listen to them together over and over. Um, but they both, I mean, lyrics, you know, you were supposed to grow old. The last track, the sing us a song to hum through the hours of dying. Uh, I didn't know this until reading it here online now. They were both written about a friend of theirs that uh, fell from a window during a party and died from injuries. And so, whether, again, they are connected, and I've always felt they were connected well, but didn't know about that connection. So, just interesting. Yeah, I, I totally agree. They do have, like, a nice compatibility. All right, halfway through the album, track eight, There's a Fire. So this is one of the three songs that I was like, I don't really love this song. Let me focus some time on it. But as I did, I loved it again. We're running out of tracks for you guys to <laughs> get the ones you don't like well, and as, as much as when we, what to when do, we but. established this at the beginning of the album, I was like, I wonder if James and I are going to line up on the, and like, that's becoming increasingly likely. It's getting closer <laughs> and closer. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I don't know if y'all noticed like, maybe I should save this for our next like end of the season podcast, but like, you know, like a something interesting about this, this, this podcast is like figuring out like, Oh, we are very opposite in how we think about, <laughs> or other times being like, Hey, we actually line up on when we're talking about subject a, we're like right in line, but subject B total opposite, you know, like it's kind of fun figuring yeah. those things out. And like, one thing I've noticed is that like James and I tend to not agree that much on which songs on an album we like and dislike, even if like overall we've each, we both like the album. We both dislike the album, whatever, like the specific songs very frequently we don't line up. So I'm, I'm really interested to see if, if we kind of match up on these, but yeah. I, I like There's a Fire. I don't think it's like one of the stronger songs, but I don't have a problem with it. I think the kind of like, 
the way he like will say a full line of lyric like before the music line happens like the weird kind of like jumping the gun rhythm is is kind of interesting and and fun and like it almost sounds like it, the meter's changing even though it doesn't except towards the end of the song it finally does like the meters start squashing a little bit which i think is kind of a fun almost like a little trick to play yeah th- there are a lot of elements in this song i really like i love that it starts in the pickup to the bar um i have this thing where like if i hear where one is in the wrong place i can't unhear it until i reset my counting yeah you can kind of so just like, pick where you want the one to be for a while so so yeah when i was first listening to this i was like you know and the guitars came in i was like all right cool i was like oh well, that's weird and then i was like oh dang it hold on <laughs> and so like went back and restarted the track and i was like and duh, duh, okay yeah i got it um but it does make for a cool feel throughout the song i love the like little toy organ that i love that line i think it's super super fun one of the things that i really love on this track is the use of double tracking the vocal melodies and i think it's it's cool how they do it where sometimes it's in the same register and then other times it'll be in the falsetto voice above i didn't notice um I, I I think the the issue is was when you, when you do double track vocals and then take it away, it sometimes makes the vocals seem a little bit thin. But the way they do it with the shifting register almost makes it like an effect pedal. So the tech the the fullness of the voice is always there, but where it sits in the ear is different. And I thought that was a really clever use of that. So it, it's a good song. Um, it's not my favorite on the album. But a lots, like I said, lots of cool elements to pull out of it. One thing I don't like about this song, uh, I think the the singer is like a pretty good singer overall. I think he has a good instrument, and he has on this song his vocals get a little bit into like Connor Oberst territory, like very kind of like I think intentionally like weak, lazy sounding vocals. Um, which maybe fits the lyrics, you know, uh, I never quite say what I mean, or I don't know, but like, I kind of wish the, the vocals on this track were a little more strident or, or confident sounding. That's funny. Cause I was going to say, I love how lazy sounding <laughs> the vocals are. And, uh, I don't like in the specific, like there's a fire, like that one. But in the verse, I love it. And I, I do love vocals that uh feel like there's like low they're they're chill, but they still have like energy behind them. So like strokes, gorillas, I feel like kind of fall in that category where it's like, how do they have so much energy for being so chill? But guess it's not for everyone. Yeah. I strokes is like when I listened to this song and I was like, why are these lyrics or why are these vocals not quite hitting for me. And I think it's because they have a little bit of that, like lazy Julian Casablancas sound, which I like the strokes, but I think in this band, which is like this overall bigger guitar driven band, I kind of want the vocals to be a little more, more. I do love what he does in this song with the, like the, this time I swear it is the, is the, it is the truth. little stumbling thing there. 
and like in verse three when it's like i really mean it now <laughs> this time like it just got that like little weird thing it's i don't know i love all the little tasty things he does with the vocals in here and going back to that keyboard melody line james that was like when focusing on that song every time that played i was like why is this so good like is it the melody is it the rhythm is it the sound like it's just so grabbing it the other thing too that throws me with it is it's like i feel like that's something i would have put on a song like like it's done in a way that i would have done it like you know when i was in high school doing songs where i'm like oh let me do some keyboard here and it's just like feels kind of like slapped on like it's not really like blended into the music but it works so well where the stuff I did did not work well. And I don't know. It's a mystery to me, but it's it's amazing. I love it. It's because it's analog. No. <laughs> there we go. No. <laughs> well, cool. There's a fire. Track nine. Cinnamon lips. Cinnamon lips and candy kisses on my tongue. Okay, is this, this the hated is, this song? Is one of them for me. I hate this I'm, song. Okay, this makes this, sense. This makes this sense. was the first song I didn't like on this album, and then there's one still to come that I realized I don't like this song either. <laughs> but this was the first. <laughs> this was the one that I immediately was like, I don't like this. I if I had stopped and thought about it and looked at each of them, it would have been like, oh, you guys don't like cinnamon lips. I just saying that just now. So, like now, and I will say the things I don't like about this album are purely musical. I have no issue with the kind of silly lyrics. I think I'm I'm 100 fine with those, and so I I encourage Darville to keep saying the true title of the song. <laughs> I think it's only I'm looking at it right now. I think otherwise I would have called it Cinnamon Lips, but. I think it's actually pronounced k cinnamon lips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should have done S's before the cinnamon. I I think it's, again, because I've listened to this album so long, it's just become a part of the album for me. And I can remember like being like, what the heck is this song? Like, this does not fit here with these other songs. But I was also, you know, a teen and loved weird stuff and there was a good phase that uh Brittany and i would listen to this song all the time because we thought it was funny and as we did that we learned to love it and it was just a piece of this album so when you guys were saying there were songs you didn't like i was confused but <laughs> it makes sense now having said like how much i hate it there, there are a couple of things on here that i think are good i do like the double time and like the little breakdown at the end the the problem with this though this kind of goes back to what Joey said of like, I think fountains of Wayne could have done this song very well. I think they could have done this kind of like, like twee doo kind of tone and like, and like pulled it off with like a sincerity and like a way where this feels like it's, it's trying to be tongue in cheek, but like, it's, it's like, we're doing this. But we're we're being funny about it, you know. I only do this ironically, and it just. Ugh. I think I don't remember what song it was on the Shins album that 
Darvel, you said like, I get tired of this guitar riff that happens the entire song. Mm-hmm. That is kind of my first complaint with this song that like the like clockwork guitar thing that like just goes on and on and on and on this kind of energizer bunny like i it it really feels like music that would be playing in like a kid's video game when you're when it's waiting on you to select which level you're gonna play like like holding music kind of like yeah and so i don't know if it's if my problem with the song is an arrangement thing that like yeah i I don't know i just it just i think the song also feels very static to me it's just like we're just like time marching on there's no sort of like so many other songs on this album do such a great job of like the song developing and opening up or like there's even just like your basic you know pixies soft loud soft loud type thing like whereas this song just feels very like we're just going through it kind of i don't know well and and that's why i said like with the ending like you have that that double time thing and breakdown but it happens that like if they would have done something with that earlier in the song and like then this like switching back and forth kind of thing like it might have been cool but like they wait until the very, very end. And it's like, it's too little too late now. Like you had all this time up to develop that you just sat there and did nothing with. And then you're going to tag on this little like B section at the end. It doesn't work. Yeah. I would, I would say this is the first song we've gotten to that. I would for me call skippable. I skip it every time. I hate well, then you didn't song. listen to it enough. <laughs> you were talking about how you had to listen to them all, and you kept skipping this one. By the time I got to like just the kidding. seventh or eighth playthrough on this album, <laughs> I was like, and, and and for the listener, I think we recorded this this episode's like four weeks after the last one. It's been a while, yeah, yeah. So I, I've been listening to this album for a while now, and, <laughs> and yeah, it got to the point where I was just like, no, <laughs> I, I made up my mind. Yeah, I can remember because again, Brittany and I listened to this album a bunch in high school, and this one was like the <laughs> guys listen to this song song where the other ones are like, "Oh, I love this song. This one's so good." But you know, we you know we loved the quirky stuff in it. The you know the weather affects my knee. Oh, so silly. Um, but yeah, I don't really have anything to say to like against what you guys said like i agree i understand why you would skip this song but luckily it's been stashed in there for me under treasure so i love it it did throw me off i i'm guessing i didn't look it up i'm not going to look it up i'm guessing the bald guy in the band sings this song and all the other songs are sung by the lead guy because the voice is very different. Like, I remember that being like jarring to me when I first listened to the album. <laughs> but I, you know, when OK Go first started with their music videos, like the Million Ways to Be Cruel, where they're dancing in the backyard. That have, uh, If you know the music video, the bald guy is like doing the singing for the whole song in it. And so that was my first video of OK Go I saw. And I was like, OK, he's the singer. And then the second video I ever saw was 
this song being performed live and the bald guy was singing it. And I was like, okay, but <laughs> he's the singer of the band. And so it, it took me a while to like unwrap and realize that, you know, they've got lots of people being the singers in the music videos, but uh, it's pretty much, I think his name's Damien, the lead guy that's singing, except for this one, which is the one I saw <laughs> live where it's the bald guy. So anyway, what do you think buttery eyes are? Uh, well, there's no cries coming from them. <laughs> I was just, so I know I can really imagine tears. what cinnamon lips are either in color or taste, but like, I don't know what buttery eyes are. Maybe like, <laughs> is that buttery? <laughs> I need more. <laughs> I need them to be more buttery. <laughs> We're just going to leave that in. So everyone can appreciate that moment without any visual <laughs> to reference. You'll only ha- you'll, you'll just have to guess what what gar- guess Darble took. All right, well, track ten, the fix is in. Everybody knows that it's in. This was my. Other, my, I think this was, yeah, was the third one that I spent more time with, but because uh, it was towards the bottom for me, but it got back up to the loving it. I like this song. I, I mean, this song is for me a little bit like um, there's a fire in that, like, I'm not going to put this at the top of my list, but I don't dislike it. I, it's, I think it's, it's good. I think like it does a lot of the stuff at this point that. I kind of would expect okay do okay go to do in terms of harmonies and what the choruses sound like and everything. And I think there are some uh clever lyrics like the thing about uh red and white blood cells, red and white wine. Um mm-hmm. and this this kind of like I think this theme pops up in some of their other songs of like seems like a relationship where you're kind of struggling against inevitability a little bit, you know, which I think is like a evocative theme. Yeah. I, uh, I also like this track. I like the drum breaks, um, using the different instruments between both the vocals and the basses for the fills. (laughs) In my notes, I wrote, I like the synth line do, 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 which is very useless. (laughs) So I had to listen to it again. (laughs) It's it's also funny that the person who was like, hmm, I need to take a note about this specific line of music and wrote do, 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 do is currently getting his PhD in music. Like, <laughs> like if only there was a better way to write this. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I maybe that's a weakness of the song that I don't remember that synth line. Um, obviously, I thought it was more rememberable than it was. I did note the uh, the triplet fills and the triplets in the guitar strumming. I thought were also like a really cool thing. I, I didn't notice it in the bass at first, um, but on the second verse, uh, the guitar has that bump, 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 bump kind of thing. And it goes that on the chords. I was like, oh, that's cool. And I rewound. And then I noticed the first time when it doesn't happen, the bass fills in the kind of like triplet, triplet thing in the middle. That's a really cool element. So lots of cool rhythmic stuff happening all throughout the song. And there's a lot of like 
little things in here that this was one where I was like, man, I feel like people playing guitar on this song are just having more and more fun as the song goes on. They do a lot of cool, like, like just weird little things I would never do with a guitar put in a song that works really well. But yeah, definitely like in the second verse, you start hearing some like just like playful little licks and stuff in there. Oh, and then like vocals and stuff like the we'll forge a little life, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> like those little things in there that it's just it's fun when you get notice those little things. The other thing with this song for me, like I have no idea what this song is about, but I love the lyrics so much. And so I know we've talked about this with lyrics before where it's like, I don't care about them. And this falls in the category of, I don't know what the song is about and that's fine. I can still love the song, but it has a lot of lines that I love, even though I don't know what it's about, but it's fun having the, you know, when we get, when we got to Boston, we knew we'd missed a turn. And then when we get to like verse three, let's go back to Boston, forget about the turn. You know, it's fun having those connections and stuff, but lots of, uh, Oh, like working on an inch less waistband in the strip mall wasteland outside of this town. Clawing at the penthouse kitchen floor for just one smidgen more. Like there's just so many good lines. I can sing along and have no idea what I'm singing about, but. They're very, I when love you it. say them in that tone, they sound very like Anthony Kiedis uh, <laughs> kind of lines. Working on an inch less waistband, <laughs> strip mall wasteland. Like <laughs> I just. But yeah, we're at the last two. So, uh, I mean, I freaking love Bye Bye Baby. So, you guys don't like Hello My Treacherous Friends? Hello My Treacherous Friends Thank you for joining me here tonight I brought you all here to discuss as I must How grateful I am That is correct for me. This is my favorite song. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> whoa! Like Joey was saying, here's the wow. And now I will, I will say, I dislike this song less than cinnamon lips. But in fact, like there, there's even certain elements of this song I like where I don't know if I like really anything in the other one. But overall, I don't really like this song. I think this song doesn't sound like OK Go. I think this was like, this should be like it doesn't. a side project that you, you know, the Damien whatever experience or something. I don't know. Even like the vocabulary is different. But even aside from like fidelity to their band, I don't really like the song. I am well. It, let the record show once again. I am a huge like electronics nerd, and there's so much cool stuff they do on this track. They start out with the bell kit, and they start doing the bell kit with the pitch bin manipulation on the notes, and then it goes away for a little bit, and then it starts getting layered back in. When the acoustic guitar comes in, it comes back in with the bells, and then at 52 seconds in, there are these like weird vocals that aren't like any harmonies we've heard on this record they almost sound like they're reversed in a way so like all all of that stuff i'm just like yes and then the this example at the end of the song 
this kind of like washy, screechy guitar. This is what I was hoping for on shortly before the end where it's, it's sharper. We still get those big washy elements, but there's this like kind of like ominous noise element to it. It, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, it's like, okay, go had uh, like a month long break where they only listened to like Beck and nine inch nails and came back and wrote <laughs> this song. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, well, go ahead, Joey. I, I was just going to say like, why you don't love it. I think we've talked on this podcast before about like certain phrases that like, for whatever reason, it's like, man, those, those words just like sound good together. Like I don't like even aside from meaning or whatever, but like, this is like a nice little chunk of word. Like, I think hello, my treacherous friend is the opposite of that. I think it's like a clunky. I don't, it's <laughs> like, it needs workshopped or something like one. I think treacherous is a weird word to sing because you have all the, uh, and you have to decide, is this going to be two or three syllables, which he kind of waffles on. <laughs> um, is it going to be treacherous <laughs> or treacherous? And I, I just think it's like a weird, I, yeah, I think the chorus is markedly better than other elements of the song. Like once we finally get to a chorus where he's singing, hello, my treacherous friends, like it's a chorus. There's a vocal hook, um, which is something different. The cinnamon, whatever it is, there were like no hooks. We, mm-hmm. we didn't acknowledge that, but like, that's a big problem with the song is like, there's no hook. This at least has a chorus, somewhat of a hook in the chorus. And like, I'm, fine with a weird song like this song talking about his arachnid children or whatever like it, i'm okay with getting weird with it you know um but yeah I, I don't know i think yeah just didn't doesn't work for me treacherous friends that was uh like when listening to it for this i was like man i love that hello my treacherous <laughs> friends that's so good that's so funny that for you it's like hate it Work, work it. <laughs> so th- this this might date the podcast a little bit, um, but you know, recent events. The new Blink One Eighty Two album came out recently, um, and, and <laughs> we might save that for later this year because I I do kind of I think that would be a fun one to discuss. But I'm like a huge Matt Skiba fanboy, and I loved Matt Skiba Blink, which is a very unpopular oh, I, opinion. And one of the I'm right there I with you on that one. Okay. One of the reasons I liked Matt Skiba Blink is that they were doing new things and they would have these weird things. Like a song like Los Angeles would never exist in Tom DeLong Blink 182. And I think that whether or not you like that song, those swings made the album California and then subsequently Nine more interesting to listen to than anything they're doing currently. So when I was listening to this record the first time through, and I got here, I thought I was on a different record, as we've talked about before, where Spotify will play stuff after. And when I was like, oh, no, this is still OK Go. It's like, OK, that's interesting. And so I keyed into it the second time and I was like, yeah, no, I dig this. I just like all these weird elements and, and the phrase treacherous friends. I, I do think it's like what Joey said, the vocabulary is different, but it almost seems like a conscious choice, treacherous arachnid sickening 
you know, th- these are all things that we haven't had on the on the record. It was like he was like I said, he's trying to hit that like dark element. Ah, I like it. It doesn't sound like okay, go. I'll <laughs> give you that. Yeah, it's definitely like, and yeah, I can remember when I first listened to this album, just being like, "Whoa, this one's different." But I, I love it. I love the like you mentioned, James, the sounds at the beginning, especially, and that. I think it's a guitar that just like kind of machine sounding with the bells doing their weird stuff. It's a very weird, different sound, but I love it. I realized a weird thing for me with this song is there's a They Might Be Giants song that's about their racist friends. And there's like some of the weird stuff in here is stuff that you would hear, you know, cause they might be giants are constantly doing weird things. And, uh, I think these songs, like the two songs have always been together for me just because of some of those similarities. And the funny thing is that they might be giant song is like them telling their racist friends. Well, actually he's not singing to his racist friends anyway, is like saying like, we can't stand you like get away type thing. And so I always thought that this song was doing the same thing, but as I was listening to it, I was like, Oh no, that's not, What's happening here? Well, I read the They Might Be Giant singer like co-managed OK Go, I read actually like early in their career, like before this album came out. And like, yeah, I think oh, really? like They Might Be Giants really likes OK Go and like and has and they toured with them. And so I wonder if there's even an actual there connection in there. That's crazy. Well, that's fun. Hated and loved. <laughs> That brings us to the last track. It's not just selfish and scared. It's not just Bye Bye Baby, which I think is currently my favorite track on the album. How do you guys feel about it? This one has a couple of elements that I think are pretty neat. The first is the I like the way they subdivide the compound meter differently throughout the the track. I think it's kind of cool. You have the the three feel that goes into like the very firm like six eight kind of bob. I again with the vocal harmonies, the fall just before a minute where they have that like entering, yeah. entering, entering done masterfully well on this track. And then a special note, I I didn't know what to call this other than the warbly pad at 1.30. I stand by that statement. The warbly pad, the new band name. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. It's like a warbly, maybe like rotary speaker type synth or something. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's a cool sound. Yeah, this this is a really good song. Um, I think the lyrics are fun and good. I do... Do you remember when we were talking about the shins and we kind of noted that like he says like something about over the ramparts or or there's some line, I think it's over the ramparts. And it was like this weird, this funny thing of like not directly quoting a super famous song, the Star Spangled Banner, and it doesn't have anything to do with the Star Spangled Banner, but like it like instantly 
zings your brain of like, I know those words next to each other. That happens again in this song with the, so take me to winter as if I was discontent. And it's like the Richard the third now is the winter of our discontent line. Like, I think it's like a funny oh. for him to put those together where it's like, we're gonna immediately think now is the winter of our discontent, even though that has nothing to do with this song. I think it's like, I don't know what you'd call that. I need to ask, maybe Julie would know what what that is called in like literary words. It's a neat idea. It's like uh, you're you're cashing in on a meta textual element of audience knowledge. Yeah, it, it's know. it's like if you like did a painting and were like, also the paint smells like uh, hamburgers, you know. So that's like, oh, everyone's like, oh, I, I know that smell, even though it doesn't have anything to do with with your painting. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a great song to end the album on, too. It's short also, short and sweet. Yeah, that's a, I mean, looking at this album, I didn't do the actual math. I would say like the average song length is like three minutes and 10 seconds, which is great. I think a band like this, a solid three minute song is is just what they need. I don't have anything to add with this song, you guys hit on all my favorite parts of it i don't i'd put this one in the category two of pretty grabbing yeah i love this song well there we go final thoughts on self-titled album by okay go i like this album it's good i think the songs i like from it it's it's funny these bands have been around a while like you know bare naked ladies okay go bare naked ladies longer than okay go but still at this point you know over 20 years for okay go like I would probably have like an okay go playlist that has like probably half the songs on this album and then like future albums, the handful of songs from each album I really like rather than revisiting this album as a whole. But yeah, it's, I, it's good. And, he, and even the songs I don't like are isolated and to the point that like they overall, I wouldn't say like bring the album down because the the good songs are so good i would say overall i enjoyed this record more over time the more and more i listen to it i think the opening is very very strong and i think that it showcases pretty well the track that this band ended up following like you start to see these kind of elements that they became known for later on down the road I do also think it's a little strange. A lot of times, you know, freshman albums are some of the best work, some of the best output for a band. And I think that, and and maybe it's just because I'm more familiar with their other work, that their other albums got better over time, which I'm not sure if that's a controversial opinion or not. But I, I, I was trying to think about it. It's hard for me. I think because my relationship with this album like it's up there for me but thinking about it with their other albums there's definitely because i do love their other albums i'd say that it it's not like oh this one's not as good as their other albums but i don't know i'd I'd say they're different enough though that there's they do a lot of different things on their other albums that they're all up there as good for me but yeah i've been listening to it for 
I can't count right now, but long time <laughs> and uh, loved it that whole time. Actually, I'm realizing right now, which is kind of crazy, that I prefer this album over Shoots Too Narrow by The Shins, hmm. which, I again, like I talked about on that episode, that was my favorite album for over a decade. Number one album, number one band. Loved it more than anything. When I bought one record... That was the record I bought. But uh, yeah, I would listen to this album, OK Go, like five times before I'd go back and listen to Shoots Too Narrow again right now. Wow. Learning and growing. <laughs> so are, are, you, are you ready, Darvel? I've teased this for weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm curious, before you say anything, because in my head, I don't know. I, I feel like you guys, there's elements like, oh, Darvel's going to hate this. Darvel's going to hate this. And there's stuff that I'm like, yeah, I don't like it. But I enjoy listening to stuff, even if I don't like it, and finding things I appreciate. But you come at it like, oh, Darvel's really going to hate listening to this one. So, we'll see. I, I think this one's going to push you. And I think it's especially funny, given comments you made earlier in this episode. But my pick for the album I've listened to the longest is... The album Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a I, nice. I don't think Darvel's gonna hate this album at all. Given Darvel's um opinions on slow music <laughs> over the course of 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 these two seasons, I think this will be a an exercise for Darvel to get through. Is it just five tracks? It's Long only one? five songs, yeah, <laughs> and and one of them is actually the same song, just split. Oh, cool! That'll be fun because I don't, I never listen to this album. This is an album that you really do want to like sit down and just like listen to, and I'll admit to rarely doing that. In in general, but it's certainly even even the stuff I like I like on this album, I'll listen to it like on its own. I, I would consider myself to be a very big Pink Floyd fan, but this is definitely my favorite record. I have a Wish You Were Here shirt. <laughs> I I have I bought the reissue when it came out uh, a couple years ago. So got that and like, yeah, just love this record. Um, and we'll talk about more why next week. So. James, you can edit this out. If you see me do, if you see me leaning to the side, it's because I'm listening to the song. These headphones bleed really bad, and I don't want my mic to pick it up. And my mic oh, is yeah. my mic is very directional, yeah. so if I if I can scoot over it, it, I mean, it might not pick it up anyways. It's pretty quiet, but just in case, that's what I'm doing. Okay, <laughs> I thought it was like a chocolate rain kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> you had to breathe off to the side. <laughs>